Today we talk one of the strangest tales from one of the strangest Ukrainian writers, Nikolai Gogol. We are covering the nose today. Oh, and do we have a tale for you? A nose and a tail. Oh, this nose is getting out of hand. <laughs> Who knows where we're going with this one? Oh. Welcome to the Codex Cantina, where I am Una. And I am Nosy Crypto. And we are going heavy into detail on the nose by Nikolai Gogol. We bring out the hidden interpretations and meanings in the stories. If you are down for conversations like that, please hit the subscribe button to join us. And as always, we start off with publication information. The Nose was written between 1835 and 1836 and then published in 1836 in The Contemporary, a literary journal owned by our old buddy Alexander Pushkin. One of your favorite authors of all time, right? He is, he is. Our version was translated by Pivier and Volohansky. Oh man, we gotta talk about Gogol. Because Gogol is quickly becoming one of my favorite authors. He is oh, he yeah. is something special. He was, you know, claimed by both the Ukrainian and the Russian side. He was clearly born in the Ukrainian uh, area, which is obviously a very poor area. And I think what you're going to see is a lot of class commentary from him in this, much like we saw in the overcoat that we covered earlier this year. Yeah, he's definitely writing to try to get his message out because he's been stuck in these two worlds and he's trying to get his ideas of these class divides between Ukrainian and Russian. Since this was 1836, we don't have actual pictures of him, but I feel bad because I've read criticisms where they talk about, you know, Gogol kind of had like a strange nose that... Critics kind of question, is this him kind of working out his feelings from having this nose? And I got to be like, man, if Gogol got that criticism when he was like alive, he'd just be like, dude, come on. It's a, you really going to go there about my nose? <laughs> yeah. And this is him just saying, you know what? If you're going to do that, I want to write a super famous story that two nerds are going to talk about nearly 200 years later. So take that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So in terms of themes, we're going to talk about job titles and worth. We're going to talk about male posturing and insecurities today, and I'm assuming we're all adults, so let's have that conversation adult-like. And uh, maybe no theme at all. Like, there is that kind of argument as well. Yeah. Maybe maybe the last theme is that there is no theme, right? Yeah. There is no spoon. There is no nose. <laughs> no one knows about the nose. All right. So for terms of plot, it's a strange one. It really is. And I think Good that's luck with this. <laughs> this is just one of the endearing things about Gogol. I, I'm telling you, he's something special. Yeah, yeah. It's fantasy, right? You have to dis, you have to, you yeah. have to give up belief and realize that this is a fantasy, fantasy magical story. It is absolutely absurd is what it is. It's hysterical. It's it absolutely really hysterical. All right. So from terms of plot, we start off with a narrator in this magical realism of St. Petersburg, which is very common for Gogol settings that we're learning. A poor barber, Ivan Yakovlevich, makes his morning breakfast and finds a nose implanted within the bread as he slices into it. And <laughs> you're going to have to cut me out because I'm going to just laugh the whole time. <laughs> and you're going to have to forgive us for some of our pronunciations. We're going to do our best, but we're trying. He recognizes that the nose is the collegiate assessor Kovalev's nose that he constantly shaves each week. Kovalev is a client of his and is told and tells poor Ivan that he stinks. <laughs> <laughs> Ivan is afraid of the police and getting in trouble, so he surreptitiously attempts to discard the nose in the river and back alleys. However, a police officer stops him, questions him, and the rest of the events are shrouded in mystery. 
Now, the second part, March 25th, Kovalov wakes up to find his his face as smooth as a pancake. His (laughs) nose is missing. Kovalov is a man of inflated ranks, telling people that he's a major instead of the collegiate assessor that he actually is. He'd only marry if it came with a large dowry. (laughs) Quite the womanizer here. Yeah, he's a great guy. He soon spots his nose, dressed as a state counselor, a higher rank than him. (laughs) And his nose rejects him, saying, how could they possibly know each other? Look at their ranks. (laughs) So Kovalev, right? So he goes to visit the police station, who won't help him. He goes to visit a newspaper guy to put out an ad. Uh, They don't finalize anything. Looking for nose. (laughs) Yeah. Later, Kovalev returns home and finds a police officer there that uh, claims to have found his nose from Ivan, the barber. And when he tries to have a doctor come reattach the nose, they find out that it just won't do. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then to kind of cut the third part short, April 7th, he gets, uh, kind of gets his nose back, just wakes up, and he's a womanizer again. (laughs) And no lesson learned. Yeah, yeah, really. It's a very interesting story here. And uh, I think we got a lot in terms of analysis, so let's try and go through this. We're going to keep it short to where we can, but I think we're going to hit the major points that we need to on the nose. Uh, We might miss (laughs) a few things. (laughs) All right, fling me a booger. All right, we need to pick the right ones here. Now, class Class conflict (laughs) with table of ranks. Now, for my American audience members that are particularly new to Russian literature, Let's talk about what the table of ranks are, Crypto, my historian teacher. Right, so the table of ranks is basically a ranking system in Russia at the time period. It's created by Peter the Great in 1722. And what it does is it gives kind of a hierarchy of all the people in the government. And this comes with a lot of class, power, stature, and most importantly, money. And while usually you were you were promoted based on competency, right? You have Gogol starting to pick and throw, you know, darts against the board, making fun of this system where they talk about the Caucasus given ranked, where in the Caucasus was known for particularly areas of bribery where people could pay to kind of be promoted faster than what their competency may allow. And we find that Kovalev, this womanizer person that is kind of hard to relate with because he's kind of a bad person, was the Caucasus type, right? He purchased his rank and even then he's insecure in his own rank and lies about it he's like oh just call me major yeah ask for the major right (laughs) yeah exactly so this is one of those ways where we see him already committing these problems of that he's not a good person it satiricizes the ladder climbers is what what we're doing with kovalov here now what's different from his because he did the same thing in the overcoat and the overcoat it kind of makes a moralistic claim of helping out your fellow countryman and treating people with respect regardless of rank here i think we're kind of leaving the moralistic realm which may leave some people befuddled with there being no point no moralistic result as a result of this but i think we're entering into the psychological world where we see how we as people actually will treat and behave differently depending on what we perceive as power around us yeah and how people project that power is how people are also perceived as well in the case here you have a guy that is saying oh call me the major and he'll be he thinks he's going to be treated different as a result and just one really minor nuance but I think in America, we're very similar with the keeping up with the Joneses. 
to show power and rank, you spend money in America, right? I bought these gifts. We have so much materialistic marketing tactics bombarding us daily. Much different in Russia, where we have a much smaller middle class, a much larger lower class society. And as a result, if you can't differentiate based on money, what do you differentiate on? On their rank, yeah. That's where you're going to see... While we do have job envy here in America, it's a much bigger deal to a Russian with a much shrunken middle-class presence compared to America at 1836 time, right? Exactly, exactly. So let's talk about some of the psychological behavior that we see here, right? Kovalev, the man of the hour, looks down upon Ivan, calling him stinky because he's lower <laughs> class, right? And has no qualms about it either, does he? Oh yeah, he has no problem being disrespectful to this guy whatsoever. It's no wonder that he lost his nose to him. He, you know, basically berates and beats his manservant, right? And there's the beggar woman that he trips over at the church who has her face bandaged in the same way that his smooth pancake skin's bandaged too. And he says that he would normally have laughed at her, a.k.a. he would have laughed at himself. Why? Because she's lower rank, a beggar compared to him. Yeah, he's he's a product of his environment for sure. And I don't think that's supposed to make you feel bad for him whatsoever. I mean, he, he is a terrible person, but it's something that you kind of sympathize a little bit with. A very tiny little bit. Like nose hair length. And I think this is, <laughs> and I think we're going to go into more of this with the interpretation, but Kovalev is arguably insecure at his own rank, too. For sure. You'll notice the dialogue that Gogol inserts into Kovalev's mouth is very respectful and, like, apprehensive the way that he's approaching the nose, who's a higher rank, and then the nose, his, his own dang nose. <laughs> he's very just curt and very like, get to the point, man. Like, no, you don't know me. Look at our ranks. We clearly cannot be related. Very humorous and subtle the way he injects it even into the dialogue, the psychological effects rank have on us and how we treat other people. I think that takes us into the other thing of how insecure he is, because I think the nose is representing also his 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 male organ, his his uh it's very phallic. And I think that he's if he loses that, he loses himself. If he loses his rank, he loses himself. So you can see that connection between the nose representing his manhood and the nose representing his rank as well. And it's worth pointing out that we're not the only ones to come to this interpretation, right? This is a very famous interpretation. If you actually search for, you know, Nikolai Gogol, the nose, insert in your Google search history, the male appendage after this, there are literally translations where people have taken, because control, you know, replace, find, where they find the nose and just replace with the male appendage. So literally, if you take the male appendage and just put it into the story, it still works as It as still makes point. sense. It actually makes more sense. Yeah, <laughs> it makes more sense. And it's even funnier too, actually. <laughs> so you have some commentary here from that perspective on impotence, right? When he doesn't have his nose, all of a sudden he can't be with women, right? Yep. He's offered snuff by the policemen, which he can't do, which again, snuff was something that men mostly did back in the day and apparently cured hemorrhoids. I, I thought that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing is funny. There's not a part of this story that isn't hilarious in some aspect, no matter how you're looking at it from which direction. And then even when he's trying to get the newspaper run, 
they can't print it. Again, a failure, another form of impotence that he can't do something without this male body part, right? Yeah, so I think the impotence takes this kind of the next thing of what do you do when you feel that insecurity is you kind of do that big buff chest thing, right? And you posture and you try to overcompensate in other areas. And I think that's what he begins to do from here on out in the story. Arguably, you'll notice that Gogol also puts a lot of attention on men's mustaches, a.k.a hair adornments around the nose. Again, very interesting the way that critics will kind of come to this conclusion that there is a lot of male appendage references without directly being about the male appendage in the story. It's it's quite interesting. Yeah, and hair a lot of times has always been a sign of masculinity as well for many cultures around uh, the world. Now this one, my last part here is, is really kind of a stretch, but where does he find the nose? In the bread. Wrapped up in a bun fresh out of the oven which again is typically typically a representative of reproduction female yeah yeah and that's where he finds this masculine role wrapped up in the freshly baked bun from his wife so (laughs) the interpretation is there whether you like it or not now i want to go into one that i think um this is kind of more of my a flavor of my own if you will and that's the idea of of a projection of emasculation okay so while i like this male appendage side What I kind of like about this projection is, let's say you get really mad at someone, okay? Okay. You just start imagining bad things happening to this person. You picture picture horrible things happening. And if we picture this from Yvonne's perspective, where he's told he's stinky and is looked down upon his whole life by this Kovalev character, I'm starting to picture that this is kind of like this projection from Yvonne. So the whole middle part, part two, where he loses the nose, can't find it, is just kind of like a fantasy in Yvonne's mind. So this is all made up as a part of emasculating another male that is emasculating you. It's kind of like the mental projection of retaliation. Okay? Okay. Yeah, so he's fantasizing out what he would do or what would make him feel better. All right, I like it. Keep going. So immediately upon this happening, we see him trying to discard the nose, which is him trying to purge his bad feelings or almost regret of of wanting to harm, maim another person, cut off another man's part, right? Yeah. (laughs) And what's interesting is he goes to the river. Do you remember what river or what bridge it was on? I don't. It's the Neva River, okay? And he goes to the St. Isaac's Bridge, and St. Isaac was one of the main patrons of... Noses. Peter the Great. (laughs) <laughs> and thus, thus we are back to the whole commentary of the class separation and divide. Uh, table of ranks. Okay. Exactly. So, and there's even a, a Peter the Great Bridge. He didn't choose that one, but I also wonder, you know. Did he want to be too on the nose? <laughs> he doesn't want to be too on the nose. Might get thrown in jail, right? Yeah, so yeah. I just, well, we know you know, he, he doesn't care, but still he does care. <laughs> so I think this just kind of adds to the undercurrent of the social injustice that's kind of happening at the time of this. Now, when he starts being caught, right, things get hazy, right? He goes into his own psychic back, backing out at this point in time. And the policeman, right, that's him being haunted by guilt, okay? The, the fear, you know, the reason why we don't do bad things is, one, we want to be good people. But maybe, too, we don't want to get caught, too. Maybe we actually would be worse if there were no ramifications. You have those movies like The Purge where you have one day to go out and do all the bad things that you want to do. I don't think it would necessarily be like The Purge, but I think there would be a lot more things if people could get away with it if they were allowed to. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I could see that comparison. And I think this also kind of explains a little bit more about that witchcraft scene 
why was Kovalev so caught up in potentially this being a witchcraft spell putting on for him? It's because of his guilt. Because Kovalev, much like how we're talking about the projection of emasculation and this guilt, also has that because he was flirting with this girl but wouldn't marry her. And he's worried that this mom went and out and got some witchcraft and started to curse him as a result to haunt him. It's his own guilt coming back to haunt him in the same way that the policeman and other things that happen in the story come back to haunt Ivan in what could ultimately be a fantasy or dreamlike state all imagined in Ivan's head. Now, I think that's a great idea of comparison because Gogol writing this time period in the 1830s, witch hunts were still a really big thing throughout the world. I could definitely see him kind of tying that into like this sinful nature as well, for sure. And it ties to Peter the Great. That's what I like about it. So I guess another thing we need to talk about is disassociation. And is this potentially a really intelligent way of how you address your own disassociation, right? Him and his nose, that Kovalev and his nose, that whole interaction is an idea of talking to one's self. And that's kind of a lot of, I'm not saying I put all of the water in the world into this, but a lot of people will talk about dreams and how they're analyzed. Dreams are a way of having a conversation with yourself because when I have a dream about my wife saying something, that's me having a conversation with myself. That's my mind's eye of what my wife would or ought to do. It's not actually a conversation with my wife. It's my mind's projection of it. So here, this whole time, how he's so insecure with his own rank, the way that he flirts with women to boast his self, you know, he wouldn't marry them unless they came with a dowry, an object of desire. Is this whole separation a way of him kind of having like that Christmas Carol experience of facing himself, facing his own sins and horrors, and being treated the way he's treated others as kind of one of those disembodied moments of teaching a morality moment almost. Yeah, I like that. I think that you could kind of look, this as like the nose is his ego. And now that he's lost that, he's lost a piece of himself and he doesn't know how to function. So you have like the id, the ego, you know, psychologically speaking. So the nose kind of represents that. So whatever interpretation you want to go with or however you associate, you kind of need to have, let the literature speak to yourself. Let, pull out what you think is the truth to you. But I think this second part, while the first part is clearly conversation on class and how we react differently, that's a conversation there. I feel like Gogol might be allowing us to see more of what we see in ourselves in this these second parts, these, these interpretations that we're talking about now. Yeah, some people interpret that the first half of the story obviously has some meaning, but the second half of the story has none whatsoever. And he just wrote this to kind of be like, hey, you guys analyze way too much of my stuff. There is no point to this story, that it's all a dreamscape. It's all a fantasy. And he even calls this out in the story itself uh, it, when the narrator just comes out of nowhere and it's like Gogol himself just appears in the story and says, hey, what's up? I'm here to tell you that this is all nonsense because it literally is nonsense as you think about a nose going around and doing these things as a like a person. It's something like out of a magical cartoon. It's absurd. It's surreal. It's realistic the way the people react. It's It's a wonderful story. And whether he intended it or not, you know, I, I'm on the side of the fence that if you extract value from literature and it means something to you, that's all that matters. The, what the author intent, irrelevant once it's published. So 
you know, we'd love to hear what you guys think about this story. Obviously, we're pre pretty big fans of this. We've done a couple of, you know, Google stories already below. Feel free to check out the playlist on them. Feel free to leave a comment down below if you've enjoyed this conversation. Let's move into kind of like what we are going to subjectively rate this crypto. Man, I almost want a new favorite story. This one is, you got to think of how long ago this story was written. and that he was almost, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that he was able to come up with something so asinine it's like was what what drugs was he on like lse lsd didn't exist yet but he came up with this idea you know in a time when things like sci-fi haven't been invented yet and it just it, so for that it, it just it ranks so high analytically for me whether he meant it to have no value or whatsoever we've gotten value out of it and many other people have for nearly 200 years uh, and then the enjoyment factor is just crank it up to 11. I was laughing all the time. And I'll be honest here. My students were writing essays and I have all digital. So I'm just sitting there staring at my computer screen at them on one screen. I have dual screens. And on the other screen, I have this story up and I'm watching them make sure they're paying attention. And I'm reading the story and I start laughing. And yeah, I just it, it's absolutely hysterical. 9.5. 9.5. So maybe it's all for naught. Maybe it's to satiricize the ladder climbers. Maybe it's satiricizing the table of ranks. I don't know if I don't know if I just enjoyed the the finer moments of the story, like when they talked about the cat running off with the nose, or or policemen stopping them. Like it just it was so funny. So many moments in terms of offering the guy with no nose snuff. It's hysterical. Yeah, it's just time and time again, you just help but like laugh of like how ridiculous it is because you can picture it in your head, everybody else looking at this nose as it's a real character, a real person, and addressing it so. And you're just like, <laughs> what? Are you? It, it's something out of like one of those cartoons on you know Cartoon Network or something. It's absolutely absurd, and I had an absolutely clear picture of what was happening in my head. With and Google didn't plant that there. It was just. Everything around these characters allowed me to breathe life into them. And it was absolutely did, did fantastical. You, did you picture it as like a full five foot nose that was like wearing the Russian garb and had a Russian hat and the nose itself had like a mustache? Like, did you picture it that way? Because I did. I pictured it as like a full fledged five, six foot tall nose. It was the, the <laughs> nose itself was about three feet tall. It had three okay. feet long arms and three feet legs. So it was as tall as a person. Oh, it, you gave, oh, you see, I, I, I went more like, like South Park where like it doesn't have legs and they kind of like bobble or whatever. Oh yeah, no. I, <laughs> I didn't give it arms or legs. <laughs> so yeah, 9.5 uh. for me, easily, easily entering into top short stories of all time. This is, this was fun. This was a Good. lot of fun. So looking forward to, we have more Gogo coming up for Christmas time. We're doing this Christmas story and we are looking to be doing Dead Souls in the future. So if you're down for more Gogo, please check out our playlist. Please hit the subscribe button. We'd love to have you on the journey. We post videos two to three times a week with a bonus video on Tuesdays and post every Monday and Thursday. If that sounds like you. Hit the subscribe button. Una out. Peace.